Morning, everyone. It is Thursday, May the 26th. Chris Conway, you're on overnight for us. What have you got? Uh, thanks, Ben. Yeah, it was a fairly quiet session overnight. The Dow was up 192 points. It was actually the fourth consecutive winning session for the Dow overnight. So nice to see some of the volatility of late abating. We saw the S&P 500 up about 1%. Tech stocks were the best, up 1.5% for the NASDAQ. The big moving part overnight, the Fed meeting minutes. They showed support for the 50 basis point hikes that the Fed has been talking about. The market had been worried the Fed was going to go harder and that they might go 75 basis points and they might hike more quickly than what they'd previously said. But those fears were placated overnight and that's the reason why we saw an extension of the rally on the Dow. Not too much else going on. The ECB did warn that its financial stability conditions have deteriorated. That was in a report that they put out overnight and China is seen by a lot of analysts to be missing its growth targets as it battles with the COVID lockdowns in Beijing and Shanghai. Outside of that, gold was down 1%, oil was up half a percent, and as I said, not too much else major going on. Thank you, Christopher. Anything more happening in our local market today, Tom? Thank you, Ben. Well, look, the ASX 200 is doing okay this morning, up 19 points with tech and property stocks leading the way. Miners and healthcare are the biggest weights on our market with BHP and Rio both down about half a percent. Appen is the big news story of the morning up 28%. They received a $9.50 cash offer from Canadian communications giant Toulouse. I think I've pronounced that terribly. Westpac has inked a deal with Mercer to merge its super assets and it's also going to offload a unit involved with that and they expect to get about $220 million from the sale. Virtus Health has said they haven't heard anything from Capvest and they're expecting a response following BGH's upgraded offer yesterday. Capfest is the other firm vying for Virtus Health. Catapult has widened a net loss. Fisher and Paykel down 1.5% on an investor day. They had full year results yesterday and they were down on those as well. So not doing too well for Fisher and Paykel. Endeavor Group sliding on an investor day as well. On the economic front, we have some business investment data from the ABS and all eyes will be on the US and a second GDP reading for them. And that's likely to fuel some more talk about a recession. The first reading, there was a quite a big contraction from in the March quarter from the December quarter. Very nice. Thank you, Tom. Interesting, that move in Appen of 29% now still only takes it to $8.28, which is about 15% below the $9.50 offer. So there's obviously a bit of uh, concern that that may or may not be able to progress to the end, but interesting nonetheless. Uh, yeah, Clayton. just on that, Ben, sorry, if I could just dive in there. Appen have openly said or openly... Uh, intimated to the market that they want to get a sweeter deal. So when you push for a sweeter deal, obviously the probability or the possibility, I should say, is that the uh, the people wanting to buy you out say, no, we're not giving you anything sweeter and they walk away. So that's why, like you've pointed out, the stock is trading at a fairly significant discount to the offer price that is currently on the table. It's because Appen has said that they want more and the market obviously not convinced that they're going to get it. Very good. Thank you, Chris. Layden, what have you got from the brokers today? Thank you, Ben. Having a look this morning, UBS has some research out on the traditional media names so nine entertainment and news corp they've actually got buy recommendations for all five under the sector coverage but the broker has said that a recent trading update from nine entertainment indicated continued strength in the metro free-to-air advertising market they've got a target price of three dollars and ninety cents for nine entertainment and that implies a 67 percent upside and they've got a target price of 38 dollars and 50 cents for news corp which implies a 63 percent upside 
word. Also, there's some commentary out for ALS. The code for that one is ALQ. Following their full year results, they were a slight beat on consensus. Brokers are a little mixed between neutral and overweight. Morgan's has upgraded to an ad. And the average target price there is $13.75, which implies a 10% upside. Thank you, Ben. Good stuff. Thank you, Leighton. No Henry this morning. He's off with Equity Mates doing a special little show there that will be available to our members on the website whenever it becomes available from Equity Mates. So keep an eye out for that. Henry, I'm sure, will be talking about it a little bit later on. Chris, what do you got in trading today? Thanks, Ben. Just a quick thank you to everyone who attended the Char Chat session yesterday. It was a great session from my perspective. I hope everyone enjoyed it. And as always, thanks to everyone who submitted questions and made it vibrant as always. And my chart of the day today is Transurban. There was an article in Bloomberg a few weeks ago talking about how Australian toll road traffic is back to pre-COVID levels. And then Aud Manette was out with some research at the start of the month, essentially saying that people needn't be too worried about the bond proxy narrative. And that's because they forecast a compound annual growth rate for Transurban of 10% per year for the next decade, basically. So they're quite bullish on it. And then it's come up on my scan this morning as a pretty good looking chart. Nice uptrend. I had a strong day yesterday bouncing off the lows and looks as though it's about to break higher and push up towards $15. So a nice fundamental slash technical opportunity there that forms my chart of the day. Good stuff. Thank you, Christopher. Marcus, what are you writing in strategy today? Early playing vanilla stuff today, talking about the FOMC minutes for want of anything else to talk about today, because I don't think too much is changing. It's nice to see some stabilization in the market, as Chris said, four days of better days in the US, but there's still no technical sign of a bottoming. And although some people will say, well, we know we need more than charts. Truth of the matter is, is that this is a a sentiment thing and you'll spot it on the charts first. And and whilst there's some stabilization going on, have a look at the charts in the strategy piece. The S&P 500 and NASDAQ still effectively in free fall, no technical bottoming going on. Our market looking a little bit better though. And I could see people beginning to have a bit of a nibble just from the way our market's performing and on the hopes, I think in particular in resources that the Chinese COVID lockdowns are going to ease rather than tighten from here. And our market is technically bottoming where it's bottomed a couple of times before. So our market's more relaxed, but has to be said, reading everyone from Wilson Asset Management to other newsletters who are all talking about the bottom. The bottom isn't here yet, but obviously a few good days builds a bit of a base. Let's see where it goes from here. And I think I will get on with finding stocks to buy when we get more convinced. But, you know, we've got months ahead of worrying about what the economic releases are that are going to, from inflation to interest rates to growth, and we're not going to have clarity on anything for a couple of months or so at least. And therefore, the market is going to be slow to bounce back. So I don't think you're going to miss out on any major bull market not buying at the moment is the point. Also, there's an interesting chart of the S&P 500 in the strategy piece. Just look how oversold it's been. It hasn't been this oversold since the pandemic, prior to that, since the taper tantrum in 2018. And prior to that, you have to go back to 2011 before you find it this oversold. So there is a buying opportunity coming. It's just not here yet. Just repeating what we've been saying for the last few days. Otherwise, the FOMC minutes were pretty good. The US market initially dropped and then rallied pretty hard after the minutes. I think the bit people took out of it was this unanimous confidence in the strength of the US economy, which has dissipated some of the growth worries. But otherwise, it is clear they are going to aggressively raise 
raise rates in the next two meetings, you're going to see 250 basis point rises, and then they're going to think about it from there. As one newswire says, they retain optionality and therefore the market or interest rates and what the Fed do really depends on economic releases from here. On that front, as you mentioned, we do have the US GDP first revision tonight should be a little bit better than the preliminary number of minus 1.4%, looking for minus 1.35%, but all eyes on growth and there's a GDP number tonight. And that's probably about it. I am going to do an idea of the day today, check the newsletter out a bit later for what that is. Very good. Thank you, Marcus. All right. And we'll finish off with our question of the day, which is simply today, what is your worst financial decision, Tom? My worst financial decision was betting on the Melbourne Cup. I think it was my first experience betting and I got very swept up in all the emotion, the excitement, and I lost a lot of money for me back then. It was a couple of hundred dollars. But maybe that is, in a weird way, a positive thing because now I don't have any appetite for betting. I was going to say, Tom, the worst financial decision would be betting on the Melbourne Cup for the first time and winning a fortune, which would have turned you into a lifelong gambler. Yeah, Yeah. so maybe it was a good thing. That is the start of almost every gambling addict's speech and their road to recovery but it almost always starts with I went and placed my first bet and it won and I walked out with a thousand dollars and I thought how good is this <laughs> 10 years later it's easy <laughs> Layton I reckon Marcus will love this one but putting money into crypto has been my worst investment decision so far pretty much lost it all so yep not much more needs to be said there Chris thanks guys my worst financial decision was investing in the business that I worked for prior to Marcus today lost a fairly significant amount of money and the best decision soon followed that and that was investing in markets today. So swings and roundabouts, previous employer was definitely the worst one. Thank you, Chris. I'll give mine before I throw Marcus because I think you're going to have a little bit to say. I'll go a little bit different. It's not something I invested in, but it's something I almost didn't spend my money on when I was in Italy, in Venice, and there's 100 euros for a gondola ride. And I almost decided not to. And then I called my mum and she said, you're not going to you know, remember that $100 being in your pocket in 10 years time, but you will remember the gondola ride. And so I did buy it, but that would have been a sliding door, something I'd rude not spending that money. So a bit of a flip side. Marcus? Well, Well, where do I start? There are many, many bad financial decisions over the years. One of them would be not educating myself early enough. I did a Master of Applied Finance. I could have done it 10 years earlier and wish I had. And that was uh, one of the best financial decisions. It was to educate myself. But there are a whole load of stocks. And the biggest mistake has always been selling them. Only in hindsight can do this. But I bought a million paladin at 1.6 cents, sold them at 3.2 cents, doubled my money, and they went to 10 bucks. Thank you very much. Good. Short and sweet. That's about that. Thanks, guys. See you tomorrow. Thank you. See you later. Thanks, guys. See ya.